Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man who once asked Santa Claus for something to play with for Christmas, and all he got was a pair of pants with a hole in the pocket. <laughs> it's Dale. Oh, what's going on, man? What's up, dude? I believe you left me a little short on that one, don't you think? <laughs> You think Santa Claus shortchanged you on that deal? Yeah, I think I got to cut the short end of the stick. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, what's going on today, dude? Oh, not much, man. Ready to get this going. I think it's going to be a good show today. Yeah, we've got a good episode today. You got any good shout-outs for us this I week, do, dude? I do, I do. we got to give us some uh, shout-out to uh, Samantha Lohman. Thank you so much for your donation that you dropped in there. Our gas fund from our website. We appreciate you going by there and helping us out. That, that really means a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And got a shout out to uh, Dakota Sperlin who hit us up and gave us a big uh, recommendation on Facebook and left some kind words for us. So we'd just like to give her a shout out too. And thanks, you guys. We appreciate it. We do appreciate it. We appreciate everybody that comes on our website and our social media accounts and likes what we post. And we appreciate all of our listeners. And remind everybody too if whatever platform you listen to us on, if it allows a rate or review please click that five star button and give us a review it really does help i promise you it helps boost us to the top of the ratings you promise i promise is that like a pinky swear uh, yeah pinky okay. swear <laughs> i pinky swear all right dale we're gonna get into this episode this week and uh, man we want to we're just gonna go ahead and throw this out there because we're just gonna give everybody a warning if you have if you have small kids or Anybody that's sensitive to murder and gruesome stuff, this episode is not for them. So just, you might want to just, uh, you know, get them away from it or turn it off and listen to it at another time. Put your headphones on. Exactly, because this episode is going to deal with some pretty gruesome stuff. And a minor murder. Yeah. It's easy for me to say. Yeah, it's going to be rough. So just... uh, just a just a warning there. All right then. All right. So, All right. so what we got going on with so rough? We have the case of Donald Henry Peewee Gaskins, who was once labeled Dale the meanest man in America. Ooh. He also had several other nicknames. What was it? Uh, one of them was the Redneck Charles Manson, <laughs> the Hitchhiker's Killer, Junior Parrot, and Peewee. Oh, okay. Yeah. That Pee Wee is probably the scariest one. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. He got the name Pee Wee because he was really short in stature. He was only been reported several different ways and different heights, but the most I've heard it was he was five foot two. Yeah. Adult age. Yeah. So not very tall at all. So I guess that's why they call him Pee Wee. Yeah, five foot two, about a buck thirty, I think. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> a little short dude. Yeah, what he was he got it when he was uh his mom gave it to him when he's you know when he's born. He's only like four pounds when he's born. So yeah, so he's pretty much been Pee Wee his whole life. All right, Dale. Let's talk about Donald Gaskins. He was born. Are you scared to call him Pee Wee? You want to call him Pee Wee in this episode? Yeah, I ain't scared of him. He's dead. Oh uh, yeah, we'll call him Pee Wee. All right, <laughs> Spoiler we will, alert. <laughs> we will refer to him as Pee Wee or Pee Wee Gaskins That's in this right. episode. Yeah. All right, Dale. Pee Wee was born on March the thirteenth, nineteen thirty three in Florence County, South Carolina, to Eulia Parrott. And he, like we said, he was small for his age and immediately gained the nickname Pee-wee. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that, that wasn't good for him at all. Now, Pee-wee's mom 
she was pretty poor deal. Yep. They they didn't have much at all. Worked on a cotton farm and a tobacco farm and picked that stuff for a living. I mean, yeah. that was that's rough living in South Carolina. Yeah, she quit school at twelve, you know, to help her family out. So I'll tell you something right there. Yeah. The way that Pee Wee came into this world that you know, she had sex with a, a guy named Mr. Gaskins, and he was a wealthy, well-known neighbor of Pee-wee's mom. He was a big spender, too. Yeah. And he loved to gamble and drink, and he actually paid uh, Pee-wee's mom $1 for sex several times a week. And she got pregnant at 14, and Mr. Gaskins paid Pee-wee's mom $10 a month and allowed her to live in a small three-bedroom shack with their kid. So that was, I guess it was pretty nice of him. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, 14. <laughs> Come on. But, I mean, he was. Which is 1930. I don't know what the standard is. In yeah, but, I mean, now, sometime around the age of one-year-old, when Pee Wee was one-year-old, Dale, he drank a bottle of kerosene. That ain't good. No. And this caused Pee-wee to go into convulsions. Mm. A lot of times during his childhood, even up to the age of three years old, he would have convulsions. Yeah, and be blacked out for like up to 10 minutes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so it was pretty bad. Yeah, and and it's just safe to say that Pee-wee was pretty neglected as a kid. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, there would be often times that Pee-wee's mom and some of her husbands or boyfriends would be over and they would be having sex and Pee-wee would just be there watching them. Yeah, right in front of them. Yeah, and they would make fun of him or some of her boyfriends and husbands would beat Pee-wee. Mm. And it had been reported too that, I mean, even some of the boyfriends would molest Pee-wee mm. as a kid. So from the get-go, man, he didn't he didn't have a chance at all. He didn't have all. a chance. Mom was in there making that dollar. Making that dollar. <laughs> Literally making that dollar. That's wrong, man. <laughs> I don't know what. Well, yeah, it was funny though. Yeah, funny Trump wrong though. Yeah, okay. and like I said, they would they would have sex in front of Pee Wee and even laugh and even push him away when he tried to make him stop. Yeah, yeah. So that was bad. Pee Wee's mom had many lovers, and also had sex with several men for money. Right. While Pee Wee was a child, and many of the men involved in Pee Wee's mom's life were alcoholics, and would often abuse and sexual assault Pee Wee. Even while his mom watched. So he was, man, he was pretty neglected. Yeah, he had a rough life. Yeah. And he was teased and made fun of in school by the other children because of his, you know, his small size. And yeah, he's always smaller than everybody else. So he was the easy target. Yeah. And Pee Wee's teachers blamed Pee Wee for his problems with, his, with other children and would often receive beatings from the teachers for not getting along with other kids. How, how wrong is that? I mean, it wouldn't fly today, but no. that's that pretty bad back then. And eventually, Pee Wee hated going to school. Can you blame him? No, and he would hide out in the woods all day long and until he finally quit school at the age of eight years old. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, he was done. All right, Dale. In 1943, when Pee Wee was 10 years old, Pee Wee's mom married Hinot Hannah. He was a field hand who also treated Pee-wee pretty bad. And after marrying Hannah, Pee-wee's mom had two sons and two daughters, which were Pee-wee's half-brothers and sisters. Now, at the age of 12 in 1945, Pee-wee started working at a auto garage 
12 years old working in our garage. Yeah, I was going to say, think about that, doing today's standards. I mean, quitting school at 8 and then got him a job at 12 working in the garage. Changing oil. And, hey, boy, give me that wrench. Yeah, changing oil and greasing stuff. Uh, yeah. Pee-wee, you know, he become pretty well-known around town for his ability to fix stuff. Right. I mean, he was like a, just a regular handyman. Fixing so he's kind of like a natural handyman. Yeah. I guess yeah. that's why I hired him. Yeah, fixing fans and toys and appliances and different things. So, I mean, he, I guess, you know, he done what he had to do to make money. Right. He could just walk right under the car and fix it. Oh, man. Now, <laughs> me and Dale's had a pretty good evening, y'all. I'll tell you that. All right. Despite the fact that, you know, Pee Wee was a successful mechanic and making good money, his stepfather made Pee Wee quit the auto garage so he could come work in the fields. You know, picking cotton and picking tobacco. Right. But Pee Wee would sometimes sneak away to work on cars and other, you know, to make extra money. It's probably a lot better than working in a field. You got that right. Yeah. About in a hot field. At least he'd be in the shade in a garage or something. Now, Dale, this is kind of a little bit of a turning point for Pee Wee in 1946 when he was 13. He found a small shack in the woods, which he and his friends named the hideout. And his friends were Danny Smith and Henry Marsh. Now, these three guys, they referred to themselves as what? The Trouble Trio. Now, they got into some petty theft. They would steal candy and cigarettes from vending machines and, and sneak back to, hide, to their hideout. And this is their 13. 13 years old, can you imagine? Now, that same year, the Trouble Trio, they got into trouble at church for peeping in on girls at the women's outhouse. <laughs> and they were given pretty bad beatings from their parents, but Pee Wee, you know, stated he wasn't sad about it. Now, in 1948, at the age of 15, with the help of one of his buddies in the trio, Danny, his, Danny's father, they began breaking into homes around that area and would sell the stolen goods at local yards. And I guess, I don't know, like, I don't know if it was yard sales, but just like, just had a sale and would sell that stuff. No, scrap yards or what? I don't know. Everything I heard, it was just like a, they would just sell it. Just whoever buy it, I guess. I guess, yeah. And with the earnings, the boys at the age of 15 were able to buy their own car. And they would drive to Fort Jackson or Columbia, South Carolina to get prostitutes. Man, they had it going on in there. At 15 years old. Now, it wasn't just long after that. These three, these three. <laughs> they fixing to take a dive into earning their name here. I yeah. Guess. They were no longer interested in having sex with prostitutes. And the boys wanted to know what it was like to have sex with a virgin. Now, I guess to fulfill their fantasy, these three guys, they raped Henry's 13-year-old sister, Julie, many times and in different ways. Yeah. So, like we told you at the end of this episode, if, if this stuff like this bothers you, don't yeah. listen to it. Or, yeah, and his whole story's full of it. So. it. It is full of it, yeah. And they raped her many times in a lot of different ways. Yeah, all three of them. Yep. And Julie told her mom about this. I mean, they told her what the boys had done to her. And Julie's mom informed other parents about what they'd done. And they took them to a barn. And they stripped the boys down, strung them up upside down, bare naked, and they, they whipped these boys. 
Yeah. Whipped them good. Whipped them very, very bad. I mean, I mean, they were bloody when yeah. they were done. And when they were done with them, they cut them down, left them laying there. Yeah, cut them down, and I mean, they laid there for hours. Recovering. Yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine. Soon after the rape, Henry and Danny's families they moved away, and their little troubled trio they split up yeah they were worried that uh, the news of the rape would get back to authorities and there'd be some kind of criminal stuff going so they just packed up and left yeah kind of dodge that yep now this experience was peewee's first violent sex and he described it as being pretty fulfilling part of his life mm. like it was gratifying to him and uh there was one time peewee's family took him to a carnival I think it was like a carnival or some kind of sideshow, I right, think. Yeah. And they were able to go into a a place where they had a king cobra. Yep. They told him it was the world's most dangerous animal. Yeah. Uh, the old barker guy. Yeah. And what they did, they took a rat and put it in the, the, the cage with the king cobra. And Pee Wee was just fascinated by this. And he saw the, the king cobra strike that rat and kill it. He didn't eat it. He just killed it. He killed it and then just kind of went back over and played back, like going back to sleep. Yeah. So that, kill it for no reason. That, that rat laying there, dead there in his cage. And Pee Wee actually said this was very sexually satisfying to him. I mean, he actually, he got an erection off of this and was actually embarrassed. Right. Yeah. He had he had to cover it up. I guess just the power and uh of the snake doing that to have that much power over that rat to kill it for no reason yeah and i mean peewee at a young age seeing this and that so this dude's twisted up bad yeah from from the get-go yeah all right dale we're still in 1948 when peewee was 15 and peewee met another partner named walt at a car shop and they soon created a plan to to break into homes and sell stolen goods for profit so this was pretty much peewee's mo for a while yeah well, the other kid's dad told him how to do it, so there you go. Yeah. And during one of Pee Wee and Walt's break-ins, uh, they were in a house that was not empty. A They thought it was empty, but it wasn't. A 16-year-old girl was home and attacked Pee Wee with a hatchet. Yep, chasing him right out of the house. Yeah. And uh, she realized the two men were robbing their family. But Pee Wee was able to get that hatchet away from her and hit her in the head Causing her to become unconscious. Yeah, I think he hit her with the back side of it, not the blade. Yeah, the blunt side of the hatchet. Right. Now, Walt, his partner there, was able to get away from the robbery untouched, but Pee-wee was charged with assault with a deadly weapon and intent to kill. And during Pee-wee's trial, this was the first time, Dale, that he actually learned what his real name was. Yeah. He had never. He always. He has always referred to as Pee Wee. Yeah, he never knew he was Donald Henry Gaskins until this point in 1948 when he was in court at 15 years old. Mm-hmm. That I'll tell you how neglected this kid was. Right. But he was found guilty and sent to South Carolina Industrial School for Boys. I guess that's that was in Florence, South Carolina. I guess that's kind of like a juvie. Yeah, it was like a reform school, but it's like supposed to be able to learn a trade. I would imagine why it's called industrial school. Yeah. But I, I mean, he was he was uh, he couldn't go to prison or jail, so I guess that's where he had he had to put him. Yeah, I don't think it was a very nice place. Now, the first night Pee Wee spent in reform school, he was approached by Boss Poss, 
And he was one of the main honchos at this school. And possibly, he told Pee Wee that he was going to be his sweetheart. See, told you it's not a very nice place. No, this kid be. ain't got a chance. Man. No. Uh-uh. And it's going to be his sweetheart from now on. And told Pauls, he told, well, he was told to go to Pauls' bed every night or else. Yeah, I, I just wonder what that else was. Yeah. But that else, <laughs> we were weighing the options. That else might have been better than being raped every night. I don't know, but when Pee Wee didn't obey or do what he said, the the following night, Paul and about twenty of his honchos raped and sodomized Pee Wee many times. Well, maybe that else might not have been better. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, the else is him and twenty other guys, or just him. Yeah. So, yeah, take, I don't take a choice. I guess. Yeah. Me or yeah, it's, it's me or else. It's not good either way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man. Now, during Pee-wee's first year at this reform school, Pee-wee was uh, boss's sweetheart, and Pauls raped Pee-wee many times every night. And Pauls would also sell Pee-wee for sex so Pauls could get the cigarettes and, I guess, other contraband coming into the, the reform school. Oh, damn. He was just He was just being used. Yeah. Well, he's little, you know, so it's easy for him to take advantage of him. Yeah. What's he going to do? Yeah, but, we're, you know, later on we're going to see a, a big change in Pee Wee. He's going he's gonna to come out of his shell, but, I mean, right now he's just, he's, just, he's just going through hell. And after almost a year of sexual and emotional abuse at this school, Dale, Pee Wee and four other boys who were also raped by Paulus' followers ran away from the school. And the next day the police picked up the boys while they were hiding out in the woods. And when the officers were not looking, Pee Wee managed to get away and run straight to his old hideout. Yep, went out there and hid. Yep, that's where he had it with, with the troubled trio. But he was found two days later. Yep, and given uh, lashes and 30 days, three months hard labor, and three months solitary confinement as punishment for running away. Mm. And Pee Wee hated co- uh, solitary com- confinement. Shit, I'd like that. Yeah, because he wasn't getting raped. <laughs> right. He didn't like that solitary confinement. Right. But I guess the upside was, you know, he didn't get beaten or raped by the crowd. So yeah. It, I don't know. I'd assume not talking to nobody. Yeah. I just stay in that solitary confinement with my back against the wall. Now, moving just a, a year ahead in 1949 when Pee Wee was 16, he was out of solitary confinement and he continued to get raped by Pauls and his followers every night. And once they, they even once forced Pee Wee to run around in girls' underwear. Man. And Pee Wee could not handle this abuse anymore, so he decided, he decided to run away from the reform school, but this time with another boy. And after escaping, Pee Wee went to his aunt's house, and she agreed, Dale, to let him stay there as long as he stayed out of trouble and help around the house. Right. So I guess this was the first time that Pee Wee had somebody in his life that he felt like he cared about him a little right, bit. Right, like a mother figure that actually tried to look out for his best interest, you think? Yeah. And after three months, Pee Wee's aunt convinced him to, to turn himself in and finish his sentence at the reform school. Yeah, so, so you don't want to be on the run, you know? Yeah. So go in there and get it done and do everything right and be on the straight and narrow. At least, yeah, do, serve your time and get on with your life. Right, be done with it. Yeah. And once Pee Wee got back to the reform school, he was given solitary confinement again and hard labor. And every day the guards 
would have reasons to give Pee-wee additional lashes. Dang, I can't imagine. And one day after being punished for no reason by a guard, Pee-wee punched the guard in the face and then in the testicles. And Pee-wee was sent to the state hospital for mental evaluation. Now, Dale, Pee-wee was only at the mental hospital for one day when his appendix ruptured and he was sent to the hospital. That's the best thing that happened to him yet. Yeah. And after being treated, Pee-wee was sent back to reform school and given light duty for three months. And immediately after the light duty, the guards and paws beat and raped Pee-wee every day until he once again ran away. But this time, he was by himself. He didn't, he didn't have anybody with him. Oh, God. So constantly, I mean, all his life up to being 16 years old, raped and ridiculed and... I mean, it just treated bad. Yeah, belittled every day. Yep, no pun intended. <laughs> All right, Dale, in January of 1951, when Pee-wee was 18, he met a girl named Mary, who was 13, and they were married. Yeah, and after they were married, uh, she convinced him to re- return to that reform school. Right, so when he broke out that last time, that's when he saw her, and he just thought she was beautiful. And yeah. Talked her into marrying him. Yeah, he was really infatuated with Mary. There was no doubt about it. He was 18 at the time. She was 13. Yeah. Yep. And Pee-wee got out of reform school. Pee-wee and Mary lived with Mary's family, and he got a job at a construction site. He did, like, I don't know, it was like shade tree mechanic stuff, working on cars and different things on weekends. Right. But Mary got pregnant, and they moved to Georgetown, South Carolina. That's right near the coast, yep. I think. Yep. yep. Always see it when you go into Myrtle Beach. Yep. And while there, Pee-wee got a, a government contract job to log cypress trees in the swamps. And they lived there for a few months until Slick, one of Pee-wee's friends from reform school, offered Pee-wee and Mary to work for him on his tobacco farm, as well as uh, giving him a three-bedroom house in Johnstonville, South Carolina. Yeah. With a pickup truck. Yeah, so he had a truck and a house and another job, so sounds pretty good. Yeah, so he's, he's moving up a little bit, no pun intended. Right. <laughs> All right. Now, moving another year ahead in 1952, I mean, they were they were doing pretty good, I guess. You right. know, he was married, had a kid, and just living life and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, this is the time when Slick takes him off and they start going out to these uh, tobacco barns and then uh, – He's like, what's going on? So they take all the tobacco out of the barn and they set them on fire. But what what they were doing is they were doing insurance fraud for the farmers. So they would take them out and then, then the farmers would get paid twice for that tobacco because it was getting paid for the insurance from it burning up. And then they were actually taking it and selling it too. Yeah, they were making double the money. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's, so that's, that was another underhanded job he's got right back into. That's pretty slick with slick, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't had too much to drink tonight. All right. <laughs> Now, Pee-wee and Mary's daughter was born on April 17, 1952, and Slick got arrested for arson, but did not turn in Pee-wee. And because of Slick's arrest, somebody else became in charge of the tobacco fields, but allowed Pee-wee and Mary to stay, which was pretty nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yep. Now, the owner that took over, his daughter got to harassing Pee-wee. Yeah, I guess that just... I don't know if it hurt his feelings or just, I mean, being ridiculed. Yeah, well, after harassing him, talking about him, calling him names, said that, uh, that they knew that he was involved in fires, 
and uh, she was going to tell her dad, and, and they were going to turn him in. So to shut her up, he picked up a, a ball-peen hammer and, and smashed her in the head with it. Oh, And Pee-wee took off so he would not get arrested. Yeah, he jumped in his truck and took off. Yep. And But uh, he was picked up a few days later and was charged with assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah, luckily she didn't die. That's good. And he was sentenced to five years in South Carolina State Penitentiary in Columbia for the charges. And while in court, Pee-wee called the judge a son of a bitch and was given an additional year. That'll do it. That'll do it every time. Don't call the judge a son of a bitch. Now... Another year later, in 1953, when Pee Wee was 20 years old. I mean, he's done a lot, a lifetime of stuff right now, and he's only 20. I can't, you know, I hadn't even done half the, the stuff this guy's done. No. And when he was 20 years old, after the first couple weeks in prison, Pee Wee became Arthur's boy, an older inmate who was considered the power man by the inmates. So he's in the same role again, this time in prison. Yeah, in the big house. Yeah. Not a reform school, but he was, yeah. And Arthur beat and raped Pee Wee for six months until Pee Wee decided it had, you know, he had to be stopped. And he, he devised the plan. Yeah, he was, he was, he was going to get out of this. So he came up with a plan to kill the guy, and his name was Hazel Brazel. The Hazel Brazel was the, I guess, his most powerful guy in prison. Yep. And because well, he figured if he took out the head man, then he'd get some respect and they'd leave him hell. Well, long. yeah, exactly. Right. When uh, Pee Wee devised a plan to kill Hazel Brazel, you know, this, you know, he buddied up to him. Yeah. You know, he would, you know, hang out with him and take him stuff and drugs and different things like that just to develop a, a rapport with him. Right. Just so we can get close. Yeah. And there was one day when. Hazel Brazel was sitting on the toilet. Pee-wee was able to um, get a knife from the kitchen. Yep. And he had it with him, and he slit Hazel Brazel's throat while he was sitting on the toilet. Yep. And Pee-wee just sat there in the, the cell. He just sat on his bunk and waited for the guards to come. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? But this boosted Pee-wee to the top of the rankings. I mean, yeah. he wasn't the little man in prison anymore. Yeah, everybody knew he was done taking that shit. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now, moving just a little bit ahead again, in night, two years ahead in June of 1955, when Pee Wee was 21, he escaped from prison. And what he had done, Dale, uh, the garbage pickup system they had there at the prison, he had had some of his buddies... Uh, drill some holes in the cans, garbage cans, where he could, I guess, get some ventilation to be able to look out and breathe and different things. And yeah, they had him stuff him, stuff him. They he had them stuff him inside the barrel. Yeah, does that make sense? It does. Okay, yeah, that way he could escape. So right before the truck got there to pick up, as soon as it was backing in, they stuck him in the can, put the lid on, so he could be loaded on the back of the truck. But the reason he was trying to get out of prison. He had heard that Mary was going to try to divorce him. Hmm. So he was going to try to save his marriage. So he was going to get out of prison. And he managed to leave the prison in the garbage barrel. Yep. And they weren't checking the barrels because it stunk. They, right. weren't gonna, they weren't going to check them things. They just let that, let that shit go. Jumped out of the trash barrel off the side of the truck, was unnoticed, and was able to walk through the woods and get to the peppermint gas station 
that was owned by a cousin of his named David Gaskin. Yeah, there, there's where he stole uh, his cousin's car, 1950 Pontiac, because he left the keys in and uh, he took off in his car. Yeah. Now that's a good guy. Yeah. Now Pee Wee didn't go see Mary because she was afraid he, she was going to turn him in. Right. So that's when he decided to join up with the carnival. Yeah. And they he met up with the old carnival friend Poss who lived in Lake Wells, and he went on the road with Poss and the carnival. Right. Pee Wee ended up marrying another girl, even though he was still married to Mary. He married a Junie Alice Holden who was nineteen. So he. He was uh, marrying somebody who was legal this time. Yeah. Well, he was 21 at the time, so they're pretty close. Yeah. Um, but he ended up marrying Junie. I guess it wasn't a legal marriage. And he ended up driving Junie back to Lake Wales so he could rejoin the carnival in Valdosta. And he never heard from Junie again. Now, Dale, while Pee Wee was working with the carnival, he met a girl at, the, at a girly show named Zena from Zanzibar. But her real name was Betty Jean. <laughs> I guess Zena from Zanzibar sounds a lot more exotic than. Yeah. She um, was a contortionist, I believe. Yeah, she was a contortionist. But uh, they left the carnival, and they were pretty much a couple at this time. But um, Pee Wee took Betty to Tennessee to see her brother. Right. She told him she had a brother who was in the state penitentiary there, and she wanted to go see her brother. But Pee Wee found out she was wanted in five states for felony charges. And she asked Pee Wee if he would take a box of cigarettes to her brother in prison. Yeah. He would go over there. Even though Pee Wee was still wanted. Yeah, she didn't want to go because she, she had all those warrants, but he was wanted too, but she talked him into it. She was more wanted. Yeah. Well, yeah. She was a contortionist. She talked him into it. Yeah. Yeah. She bent his arm a little bit. <laughs> all right. But Pee Wee took the carton of cigarettes to um, Betty Jean's brother in the prison. And come to find out that box of cigarettes had a razor in it. Yeah, even bigger surprise. Yeah. Her brother wasn't her brother. No, that was Betty Jean's husband. Right. So so he escaped using that, that razor blade in that, in that pack of cigarettes. Yeah, even though Pee Wee was wanted by the law, he went in telling the police or the prison there that his name was david gaskin so he told him a lie and he thought he was going to be released but instead he was held because police realized he was peewee and he was wanted and charged with being a fugitive from the prison and with helping betty jean's husband escape right and he really got screwed over here because when him and uh, betty jean got to tennessee and she uh, told him to please go take this pack of cigarettes to my brother he didn't want to, but he he did. He went ahead and did it, and he dropped him off. And when he came back, Betty Jean was gone. She was gone, took the car, and gone. And he was stuck. He, he was stuck. And meanwhile, her her husband was breaking out of prison. So him, her, and she went to pick him up and took off and left Pee Wee there. And that's how he got busted. Mm-hmm. So when they caught up to him, that's when he lied and gave his name as David and thought he was going to get out. But they figured out who he was, and he ain't going nowhere. Yep. He's a fugitive from the penitentiary. Yeah. Now, while locked up, Pee Wee had a reputation of being a power man, and it was in jeopardy. So he stole a knife from the kitchen and sliced a prisoner's ear off. God almighty. Yeah, and after that, he regained his reputation, and the inmates realized he was not to be messed with. No. 
But it, this incident gave him three more months in prison. Right. Well, he got six months for helping uh, Betty Jean's husband escape from prison. So he got six months more there, and then they just give him three more months. So he just keeps stacking time. Yeah, and Pee Wee's just still 21 at this time. So he's done a lifetime of crime and, and just 21 years of age. Mm. He ain't even got started yet. No. And he did his time in Cooksville, Tennessee, and then he was extradited back to state penitentiary in Columbia, South Carolina, and was placed in a one-man cell with maximum security. And Pee Wee was charged by the FBI for interstate auto theft uh, for when he stole the car in Lake City and crossed over into Tennessee. Over into Tennessee. Right. Pee Wee was transferred from the pen to Richland County Jail in Columbia, South Carolina. Now, he was tried in federal court and sentenced to three years in federal prison in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, Dale, while in federal prison in Atlanta, Georgia, he became friends with Mr. Frank Costello, and he was the godfather of the Genovese crime family in New York. Mm. Now, Pee Wee was given the name Little Hatchet Man and was taken under Frank Costello's wings. It's probably a good place to be, but I'm sure he didn't like Little Hatchet Man. No, uh -uh, not at all. Not that he's going to say anything to this guy. Nope. Now, on August the 6th, 1961, when Pee-wee was 28, he was relief, released from prison. Now, later that year, Pee-wee was given a job assistant working for a Reverend George E. Todd. And they were traveling, doing traveling ministry. Right. Yeah, he hooked up with him because he was doing going around kind of like the carnival was, you know, going up, setting up, doing traveling ministry. But... All this whole time while he was helping out the reverend, he was also casing places and seeing where he could go back and steal stuff. Exactly. And when they would go to another place, he would go back to where they came from and steal stuff. Right. Break into homes and businesses and steal stuff. So he was had that stuff, plus he was making money from the, the reverend. So he had, a, he had a double income. Yep. Now, in 1962, Pee Wee married for a third time. He liked to get married, didn't he? He did. And he married an 18-year-old, Jerry Dolores. Now, he left the traveling ministry and went back to robbing and stealing stuff, which was not making enough money. So he had to go stealing for full-time. Yeah, he did. Now, there was a girl, a 12-year-old girl named Patsy that lived near his mother. And in early September, on a Saturday, Pee Wee molested her. And Pee Wee was taken to Florence County Jail and charged with statutory rape and carnal knowledge of a child. Twelve years old. Twelve years old. While at the Florence County Courthouse, deputies had removed handcuffs on Pee Wee. And while he waited for his attorney and prosecutor, Pee Wee escaped by jumping 30 feet out of a window. And he stole a county car with the keys still in ignition. Mm. I'm sure that wasn't a good landing. That's a long way. 30 feet. To a parking lot? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a short drop. Yeah. All right. Pee Wee went to his mother's house to get money and headed for Prospect. This was in South Carolina. That's Prospect's in Florence County. And he ditched the car in the water off a highway and made it on foot toward the town of Dillon. Now, once in Dillon, he stole a 1962 Ford Galaxy. And the following day, he crossed the state line into North Carolina and the Lumbee Indian Reservation in Pembroke. 62, that was a brand new car. This was 1962. Yeah, it was a brand new vehicle. Now, staying in a boarding house, 
the next day he drove the car to Charlotte, North Carolina and left it and called a bus to Raleigh and bought a 1949 Ford and drove it to Pembroke. Now, it was just shortly after that, Pee Wee married his fourth wife, and she was 17, so he's going back underage again. And she was 17-year-old, and and she was a Lumbee girl named Lenny Oxendine. And after three months of marriage, he grew tired of the marriage, and he informed her that he was going to the store Left, come, never come back. I guess go to get a pack of cigarettes and never yeah, come back. That's the, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it wasn't long after that, Dale, he contacted his wife, Jerry, that he was still married to, and she was upset about what happened with the little girl, Patsy, that he'd raped. Yeah. And he tried sweet-talking her, and they agreed to go to Lake Wells, Florida, to look for his pal, Poss, to try to get the job with the carnival. And he was informed that Poss had killed himself at the funeral home after he had heard that his wife and four kids had died in a fire in their trailer. Mm. Poor so, old Poss. Yeah, so Pee Wee wouldn't get a job at the carnival. No. Now, Pee Wee was saddened by this, and and now his plans to work with the carnival and steal parts from cars was gone, Dale. He, he couldn't do that anymore. Right. So let me get this straight before we go any farther. This Poss guy, that's the same guy that raped him every night in, yeah. in juvie, right? Yep. Okay, that's what I thought, but he he kept hooking up with him, so. Yeah. I don't know. You know I've always wondered. I've read it. thought about it. Pee Wee had some homosexual tendencies. He probably didn't have much choice. Yeah. I always wondered that and read that in a couple of places. Well, I don't know. You know, it didn't say they hooked up, hooked up when he got back together. But damn, if he's going to rape me every night for a lot of that time, and I'm going to go hang out with you. No, no, huh? But anyway. I can find more friends. You got that right there. Yeah. But Jerry, his wife, told him. That she did not want to be with a man on the run, and and she was going back home. Yeah. And now think about going back to his wife, Lenny, in Pembroke. So he's just got wives he's got everywhere. everywhere. He got wives everywhere. And while draw while Pee Wee was driving across the state line into Georgia, he heard sirens and tried to escape the police, but uh, blew out the front tire, and the car went into the water. Yeah, crashed in the swamps. Yep. And leaving Jerry behind with the cops to deal with her. So he escaped. Yeah, so he jumped out in the water and, and took off and left left her to deal with the cops. Yep. Great guy. Now, after Pee Wee was hiding out and came up on some train tracks, and using, he said he was able to use the sun for navigation. He was able to follow the tracks. One night, just outside a small town north of Savannah, he reached a train yard where he got into a freight car that was empty and, and crawled up in a corner and went to sleep until he made it to Savannah. Right. And there he got a room and new clothes and headed for the bus station to go back to Pembroke, North Carolina. So he's just going all over the place. Yeah. And he went back to his wife, Lenny, who wasn't happy to see him. Because uh, she had seen his picture in the newspaper and on television and saying that he was a killer and he had drowned in the marsh. Yeah, she thought he had died in that car wreck. Yep. And his wife, Jerry... His other wife, Jerry, had been released with no charges. Man. Now, the next morning, Lenny contacted the the police who woke Pee Wee up and handcuffed him. And two days later, he was extradited back to the county jail in Florence, South Carolina. And he was sentenced to six years for statutory rape. And that was for Patsy. Yeah. And an additional two years for his escape from Florence County Courthouse. 
So he's still he's not even thirty one years old and stacking up more years. Yep. Now, when he was thirty one in nineteen sixty four, Dale he was back in prison at the Central Correctional Institute in Columbia, where he regained his status as a power man. The power man. Yeah, he's learning to to he's, he's gonna be top man, he didn't know a short yeah, circuit. Exactly. Now I guess he just there was some time passed right here from 1964 to 1968, and he was just – he did his time. He was being good in prison. He didn't get involved in anything. He just sort of laid low. And the warden there, his name was Willis McDougald, and he believed in rehabilitating and not punishing crimes. And he actually wrote a letter of recommendation to the parole board asking them to release Pee Wee because of his good behavior. You know, Pee Wee was able to go to him and get in good with him. Pee-wee was uh, paroled in November after doing four years, but one condition was placed on his release. And he could not step foot back in Florence, South Carolina for two years. So he must have been a pretty good, pretty smooth talker, I guess. Yeah. He found a job doing roofing for a construction company in Sumter, but he also, on the weekends and evenings, he was reworking and repainting stolen cars, so he's right back in there. Yeah, he's back in he the... He can't get out of it. Back in the crime. Now, while doing a robbery with two, two teenage boys, the boys turned a knife on Pee Wee and took all of his money. Mm. And after he was robbed, uh, Pee Wee waited for the young boys at their home with his thirty-two Beretta automatic. Yep. And at gunpoint, he ordered them into his truck of his trunk of his car and drove the boys to the swamp. And he ordered them to hand over the money and jewelry and instructed them to take off their clothes, and he would let them live. If they ever crossed him, they were dead. Yeah, so he put them in the trunk and just drove them miles and miles and miles into the swamp. And when he finally let them out, they had no idea where they were. They were out in the middle of nowhere. And he forced them. He took everything from them, all the money, even their clothes, and left them out there naked, not knowing anywhere they were. Yep. All right, Dale. Uh, we're going to stop right here with this episode. This is going to be a two-parter for us. It's our uh, first one. Yeah, this will be our first two-parter. But there's just too much on him to squeeze into one episode. There's no way we can. I mean, when you're doing an episode about the meanest man in America, it has to be a two-parter. Yeah. All right. We, uh, we're going to get out of here on part one. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack, Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.